Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. Hello, hello to all of you out there in the world, wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, thanks for being here. I'm your host, Shannon Labrie, and you're listening to Human Trafficking True Crime, presented by Last Word. We're the one and only podcast telling the truth about human trafficking. We aim to give victims and survivors the last word. If you like what you hear and you want to help support the show, you can do so through a few ways. You can start by donating at lastwordbysl.com. You can follow us at Human Trafficking LW Pod on Instagram, or you can shop our merch at lastwordbysl.com. You can also rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to now. Spring, Texas is located in Harris County, and it's one of the many suburbs that surround Houston, Texas. In fact, Spring is only a 25-minute drive north of downtown Houston a town with a population of just over 60,000, according to the 2020 census. This town borders the iconic woodlands in Houston, and it seems like it would be an idyllic place to live and raise a family. But it's what's happening behind closed doors, what's taking place when no one is watching, that is making this city one of a sinister kind. My research for tonight's case started with just one young lady who went missing and she was added to my list of possible cases to cover. I read about her story on a news report, but after reading the article, I began to feel like I had heard of another case out of spring, but I couldn't think of the case. So off to Google I went, and I came across the second case, one I had actually heard of before on the show Disappeared. But then I came across a third case, another girl who went missing from spring years before, and this got me wondering... With Houston being in the top cities every year for human trafficking, are these young ladies' disappearances the work of an underground sex ring? Where are the missing girls from Spring, Texas? Tonight, we give Michelle Prosek, Ali Loitzer, and Kristen Galvin the last word. Megan, welcome back for another episode of Human Trafficking True Crime. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm here. <laughs> I feel like you always say that. I'm doing all right. I'm I know. here. It's my tagline. It's your tag. All right, no, let's go kidding. with it. Sounds good. <laughs> Do you know where Spring, Texas is? Because when I started researching this, I'm going to be honest. I was like, Spring, Texas. Like most people, <laughs> most of you may know by now, we live in Texas. Yeah. We live in the Dallas area, though, and so obviously if you look at a map, Texas is pretty large, so we obviously don't know all the cities in the area or in the state, I should say, but 
This one, I didn't know where it was. And when I looked on a map, I was like, holy cow, that's so close um, to Houston. Yeah, I I don't think, I, you know, I might have driven through it because I go, I used to go there a lot for stock shows. Okay. But, like, I feel like I've heard it too. Because, you know, when you're in college, you have to stand up and be like, my name's Megan and I'm from blank and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, you know, I never did that, okay. but okay. <laughs> the whole Houston area, people are like, oh, I'm from Cypress, I'm from Spring, I'm from the Woodlands, and you're like, cool, I don't I don't know what that is. Yeah, I knew where the Woodlands were. My sister, uh, years, years, and years ago in another life with another, like, anyways, a really long time ago when my sister was married, she lived in the Woodlands, and so I have driven that Yeah. Um, from Dallas to houston or to the woodlands specifically many of times but never have i heard of spring and so is it north south west it's north from houston north from downtown houston so south for us but if you're in downtown houston it's literally like the equivalent of what we are to dallas okay and like little rock to uh austin not little rock round rock brown rock yes i'm like little rock that's like (laughs) hours what oh jeez yes Yes, it's it's like a 25 okay, yeah, minute yeah. drive. 20 it's 25 miles. So 25 30 minutes depending on traffic it's Houston so you're probably thinking an hour actually. <laughs> Houston <laughs> traffic's a biatch, but um <sighs> yeah, it's not far. It's just okay. it's it's in the burbs outside of Houston and like I said in the case intro, Houston, Texas is always in the top 3 for states with the most human trafficking cases and Houston is a huge city for it. They're mm-hmm. always in the top five every year. Um, and I mean, Houston connects so many you've got, yeah. they call that like the triangle too, because it's like Houston, San Antonio and Dallas. It's like a, a human trafficking triangle, if you will. Um, and then that same area, like you can in from Houston, you can get, you know, to the West Coast, you can go to the East Coast, you can go to Shreveport, all those, like, mm-hmm. it's just right there. So, yeah. So, tonight's case is three separate girls. And I will say there's nothing, you know, preamble to this. There's nothing in my research that says the three of these cases are connected in any way, shape, or form. They're just connected in the sense that they're all from spring and that's interesting to me because the town only has 60,000 people which that's about the size of the town we live in right so I'm like how many people have gone missing out of our city that we don't even know about that could be trafficked and these are all young women they're young girls Mm. so the first case is Michelle Lewis Prasek, and she was born on April 13th, 1985 to Beth and Richard. And the couple would later have another daughter before they separated in 1994, at which point Beth and her daughters, they moved to Lafayette, Louisiana for a short time before they moved back to Texas. Now, by 1997, Beth was dating a man named Mark Seguin, and the four of them, Beth, her two daughters, and Mark, were living in their home on Valerie Lane near Woodlands, Texas, in the town called Spring. Michelle was 12 years old at this point, and according to reports that I've read, she was receiving counseling for um, 
just some anger issues and another report I read that it was family issues, but she was receiving counseling at the Montgomery County Youth Service Center. And honestly, like I said, my guess would be she's 12 years old. Mom and dad are divorced. Mm -hmm. She's just probably having a hard time processing everything. And you're 12 and you're hormonal anyways. And it's a, yeah. I mean, I went through the same thing too. You kind of (laughs) go, you It's nice to go to therapy because they help you cope with all of those um, issues. Well, especially when you're 12, you know, and you don't know how to process how you're. Yeah, 12 to 15 range. Yeah. And you don't know how how to process that. I mean, I'm not Mm going to, I won't deny it. I've been in and out of therapy my entire life. So, I mean, it's not, you know, (laughs) what the hell was that? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That was terrifying. (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> you can, jeez! I think I just crapped my pants. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could hear that, but we just heard this really big loud ding. Anyways, um, yeah. So I mean, she's twelve years old, and she's you know she's trying to just process life. I'm sure. So, um, her story starts on December nineteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, Michelle got up that morning, and her Mother has stated that she saw her approximately around 7.30 a.m., about an hour before she was to catch the school bus uh, to head to school. And Michelle was a seventh grader at Knox Junior. uh, It says Knox Junior School, so like a junior high, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, according to her mother in reports, the mother's boyfriend, Mark, left work for work first he left the house and then it was her mom beth and michelle at the house and according to her mother michelle had asked to spend the night at a friend's house however her mom wanted to know some more information about the family before she would consent and honestly when i read that i kind of laughed because i'm like oh my god i've heard that from my parents so many times like i need the number i need the the number i need the number how many siblings are there i need to call their mom (laughs) does their mom know you're staying the night (laughs) where do they live like all the details yeah yeah. did did your mom let you ride the bus in the morning um when I was first like in yes and no. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. My, my, when I was in kindergarten, my older, my siblings were older and I did like half day. So mm-hmm. I rode the bus with them in the morning and then my mom would pick me up in the afternoon. And then whenever we like, after that we moved and I was older, like we would all walk together to the bus stop or we would walk to school. Honestly, mm-hmm. like <laughs> My siblings and I look back on life and we're like, it's a wonder none of us were kidnapped because we were in, put in some situations that I, well, and granted times are changed. This my was mom the 90s, never, but my mom ever, like she was so against it. And then, um, my best friend moved in across the street from me and she finally let us take the bus in the morning because we would walk to the bus stop together. Mind you, it's literally down the block take a right and Uh there's the bus stop okay I got you beat I remember one time begging I was in kindergarten I'm gonna see if my mom remembers this story so like (laughs) I said when I went to school my siblings were older and when I was in kindergarten it was half day so I was an a.m kid I went in the a.m my mom Mm -hmm. had like a part-time job and then she would pick me up in the p.m in the afternoon or whatever um and 
sometimes she would pick me up. Sometimes I would ride the bus, but she would always be at the bus stop whenever I got off. Now, mind you, military brat, we were living on base housing. (laughs) Okay. Base housing. I remember begging my mom, the school bus let us off at the end of the street. And then we were, we lived at the the top of the street. It wasn't even like you could literally (laughs) go out to our, yeah. You could go out to our front yard and like see where the school bus off. And I remember begging my mom to like, let me walk home by myself from the school bus. And she like agreed. But I found out years later that she was literally in the car around the corner (laughs) watching me until she couldn't see me anymore. And then she drove the car to the other end of the street and got out. And like, okay. Like, and so I felt like I like was this like big kindergartner walk. Yeah kindergartner but really i wasn't my mom was watching the whole time oh yeah um Anyways, a little but we also there. lived Sorry. in base housing too so it's <laughs> yeah. like what do you have to work we're in base housing like yeah. nothing this you should feel more safe there than anywhere but it's a mad world we live in guys um well and honestly now that you like know that megan like you know you tell me the story about you riding the school bus like two of the three cases tonight these girls were either on their way to or had just gotten off the bus like so and Uh, it got me thinking when I was researching these cases and writing the the script for tonight like how many other kids have gone missing on the way to the freaking school bus or getting off the school bus probably a lot well there was a I can't remember the girl's name but it was like in the 90s and she was she left her house that morning to go to the school. I'm going to have to remember her name, but she same. It was like, I started recalling all these cases of girls and boys, kids that have gone missing on their way to the school bus. And it's like, it's very common too, for like parents that don't get to see the kids either. That's where they pick them up as well and take them. Like if they're going to kidnap them, like, you know, uh, divorced parents oh, that yeah. are bad. They don't have custody. That's where they pick them up as well. Huh? Yeah, I never thought of that. So on the morning of December 19th, 1997, Michelle's mother said that she last saw her around 7.30, which was about an hour before she was supposed to get, catch the school bus. Now, the mom had said she you know, wouldn't consent to her staying at a friend's house until she knew more information. And she also, the mom also states that Michelle and her got into a little argument about a shopping trip that Michelle had wanted to go on, but that she seemed fine when she left that morning to drop her other daughter off at daycare. So Michelle's mother didn't initially call police until the next day when she spoke to Michelle's father and was like, what do you think I should do? Um, you know, Michelle's missing, never came home. Yeah. So the mom, <sighs> yeah, I think the initial reports I read that the mom just assumed that her daughter ended up staying at this friend's house without permission. Mm-hmm. And so when she didn't come home the following day from school, the mom called the police at which point her case was considered a runaway, even though, She's never had any history of running away prior. Stop listing people as runaways, especially when their parents are like, they've never run away. Like it just freaking irritates the crap out of me. Like so frustrating. Especially because it's always at the, like the tail end of a fight or something. And then they're like, oh, they just ran away. Right. And they're like, no. <laughs> right. I can't even imagine like 
I think I tried to run away one time, but like I remember walking down a really busy street and my best friend at the time, her mom like drove by and was like, Shannon, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm running away actually to your house. And come to find out my parents had called her <sighs> and was like, we're pretty sure she's coming to your house and she's not going to listen to us. Would you mind go picking her up? And I'm, I almost, I'm the wise. I almost did the same thing. So my, my, my bedroom is right on the street side. So, and it doesn't lock, <laughs> but one time I did, I, my friend and I had a plan that we were going to meet at the high school and we were going to like go and hang out like at night. Um, from the house you live in now to the high school. Yeah. Oh my God. From, from, from the ninth and 10th grade center. Oh, okay. So it was like a little closer. Okay. And, um, I chickened out. And then the next morning I told my mom, <laughs> you narked on yourself. I told on myself, <laughs> get out of here. Oh my gosh. So Michelle, it appears that she left home with like a patchwork quilt, $20 and her six month old kitten named Froggy. Oh, she left the house with the cat. That's what reports so say. So she's just, she's 12 and she's like, you know what? I'm going to run away. Let me get my essentials. Here, here kitty, kitty, kitty. Kidding. Yeah, I know. I don't know. <laughs> like I, that would be the like, I well, if I was going to run away and take an animal, I'm taking my dog, but whatever. I, I don't know. That just know that the cat was missing. They think that $20 was missing and a patchwork quilt was gone. Oh, so she could have been taken from the house. Could have been. Now... The mom reports say that the boyfriend left first, but according to a KHOU 11 news report, neighbors reported that they saw him come back home after Beth, the mom, had left that morning. And investigators told the same news agency that Mark failed a polygraph test. Whoa. Yeah. Now, in this same article, which was years later, she went missing in 1997. This was years later. Um, Captain Brian Carlisle with the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office stated that there were several attempted abductions reported near school bus stops in the month after Michelle went missing, but that there was never any connection, which I'm screaming doubtful. Like That is very doubt. Yeah. That's crazy to think that she goes missing regardless of whether or not he failed to polygraph they can't be admissible in a court of law anyways and you can just be nervous and fail those you know i'm not saying that it's a it mm -hmm. doesn't prove or disprove his innocence or guilt he probably had something else going on right well <laughs> you're on to that foreshadowing right but my point is like you can't just rule out these other attempted abductions in the month after she went yeah, missing. What? Like I just was like, what the hell? Now there's not a whole lot on Michelle's case. Like there just isn't. And in 2005, Mark Seguin was, uh, he was convicted of ind indecency with a child and sentenced to, whoa, what? Oh, you're going to die. 
In 2005, Mark Seguin was convicted of indecency with a child and sentenced to only 10 years of probation. Probation? Yes. Probation. Oh Dude didn't my. even serve jail time for indecency with a child. And his victim? Seven-year-old no. girl. Oh, my God. This is what is wrong with our judicial system. You're going to go to jail for life if you get caught with a pound of pot. But God forbid you touch a child, you're only getting probation. Like, I'm sorry, what? So oh frustrating. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Now, once he completed his probation, he moved to the Fort Davis, Texas area, and he's required to register as a sex offender. Well, well. well. At least cool, there's that. Cool story. Yeah. Now, police said that they did re-interview him once his probation was up and that he is considered a person of interest but has never been charged with anything at this time. And he may or may not have went back to the house. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So that is, that is Michelle's case. Oh, so there's not that... That's all they have. That is all they have. They okay. they originally treated her case as a runaway, and now they think that, you know, they don't think that she necessarily ran away. I think it's odd that if there really was a patchwork quilt that's been missing, um, the cat to me is like, you know, maybe the cat got out in the scuffle if she was kidnapped or if she did run away and she maybe did take the cat. I don't know. Um there are reports that I have read that she did tell a friend that she, you know, wanted to, like, leave, um, but she had no prior history of running away. Yeah, but all kids say that right. at least once. Um, right. Um, I've also read that there were several reports that friends had told authorities that they were not certain if, like, she actually got on the school bus. She was not accounted for that day at school, um, but there's mixed reports on whether or not she actually got on the school bus or not. Personally think that she was on her way to the school bus and something happened. The quilts and the 20 bucks and the cat, I, I don't know, um... I don't know. That's weird to me. Unless Mark is involved and unfortunately wrapped her body in the quilt and Ooh. the cat just got out in the mix of it or the cat was, I, I don't know. But yeah, she has never been seen or heard from since. Wow. And Mark denies having any involvement in her disappearance and has stated that he just well, wants her to come he home. Would. Right. <laughs> Um, so that's Michelle's case. The second case we are covering tonight out of Spring, Texas is, um, a girl named Alexandra Joy Lowitzer, and she was born on February 3rd, 1994, and she went by the name Allie, so we're going to call her Allie. And her parents described her as an artistic teenager. She was involved in softball and choir. She was also involved in the Girl Scouts and... Her parents have stated that she was just a normal teenager. Um, she didn't necessarily like to socialize much outside of like her circle of friends and that she really preferred to just kind of have her friends over at her house rather than go out. And um, she was on her phone a lot, like 
any typical teenager. Now, Allie's story starts on April 26, 2010. So years after Michelle's. So she's 14. Right? Correct. Okay. No. Was she 14? You would think I would have this in my notes. She was 16. 16. Okay. She was 16 when she went missing. So typical 16-year-old on their phone a lot. And some reports I read, she would send over like a thousand text messages in a month, which I'm like, holy cow. I remember when I had like a plan where it was like you only had like 20 texts. Yeah, I was just about to. I've been like, I'm pretty sure my first phone, I got in trouble a lot for going over my I had a prepaid plan. So if I went over, my phone should got shut down. (laughs) You couldn't do anything (laughs) with it. Uh, anyways, um, after her disappearance, um, it was discovered in her journal entries that she was thinking of running away, but that the family says that there's no real evidence that these journal entries were recent or even reflected how she was feeling when she went missing. Now, Allie was last seen on April 26th, 2010. She attended school like normal that day. And after school, she... After school got out, she took the bus to her normal stop and got off. And my reports say that it was Low Ridge Road, which is where she got off. Now, prior to leaving campus, Allie called her mom to discuss walking to her new job. Allie had just gotten a job at a place called the Burger Barn, which was on Treachwig, Treachwig Road. Um, and Allie had told her mom she wanted to go pick up her paycheck and possibly pick up a shift and work a few hours. Now, after begging her mom, Allie's mom, Joanne, like reluctantly gave in and was like, fine, you can go walk to the, you know, when you get off the school bus, you can walk to work, which was only about a half mile from what my research shows. Okay. Now... The last known images of Allie were captured by Spring High School surveillance system at approximately 2.25 p.m., and it shows her leaving the school. Images capture Allie exiting the bus with others, with, uh, with others three houses from her home. Now, a couple of boys that got off the bus with Allie um, at the same time, and they walked, like, in the same direction... They all reported that Allie was kind of lagging behind, but that nothing really was like out of the ordinary, but that she was texting on her cell phone. And the last eyewitness account of Allie states that she was walking away from her home toward the burger barn area. Um, The last communication recorded was a text message sent to her friend at 2.57 p.m. And it just says her friend? According to my notes, yeah, it doesn't say, like, um, who it was. I have a theory. Okay, what? That's a lot of text messages. Oh, I know. It makes me want to know what... It makes me want to know what was... Who all she was texting. And if her parents or the police have record of that. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe a boyfriend. I'm thinking maybe. Maybe. So Allie's mom gets off work and Allie's not at home and 
well, I should say some of my records state that it was over a thousand and other records say over about, uh, she averaged around 4,000 a month. That's still a lot. Yeah. I don't even know how many I said no, honestly. (laughs) Not that many. That's for sure. I don't think I have enough friends for that many. I leave my text like unopened half the time. (laughs) So... Allie's mom gets home from school and, or I'm sorry, gets home from work and realizes that Allie isn't home. And at first it wasn't really like, an you know, she wasn't concerned. She figured that Allie would call, like if she got a break, that she must have picked up a shift basically. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want to like interrupt her. So she just kind of whatever left it. And... After a while, like, the mom sends her a text and doesn't get any response, she kind of starts becoming concerned. And by 8 p.m., she still hadn't heard from Allie, and she knew that the burger barn closed at 9. And it took about a half hour to close down. You've you've worked in the... Yeah, Yeah. you know. You work it, yeah. So the mom leaves and goes to the burger barn and... Like, the lights are out. Everything's just, like, shut. Like, nothing. There's no alley and no one's there. Yeah. And it closes at 9? Yeah. So, according to my records, the mom left right before 9. Drove down there. And they must have had a slow night and just, you know, closed up shop early. Or they got all their side work done Mm -hmm. and everything done. And they were out right before. Like, they feel like they probably just missed each other. Yeah. Um... Now her mom starts calling people. Nobody nobody has seen her. They're trying to call friends. They're driving around. Nothing. Um, now, they do call police. And basically, an officer comes out and looks at her room. And it's like, all right, well, call me tomorrow if she's not back. <laughs> oh. That's that's so nice of you. Thank you. Right. And that's pretty much that. So the next morning, there's no sign, and they spend the whole day trying to find her, and there's nothing. Like, you know, they start trying to organize troops and the whole nine. Now, according to my research, the law, law enforcement did interview the boys that had exited the bus, and employees at the burger barn and basically like nothing came of it. Now they would then classify Allie as a runaway. A runaway. Yep. So did she pick up a shift? No. According so she never to, made it. She never made it to okay. work, according to the employees. Okay. I personally do not think she ever made it to work. I think I something think so happened to her. Um I think whoever she was sending four thousand text messages to picked her up. Yeah, or, yeah, somewhere, somebody did, or she, crime of opportunity. So, even though they deemed her as a runaway, like, she didn't take her phone charger, she didn't take her clothes, her makeup, money, jewelry, all these things that a normal teenager who's running away is going to take, especially your phone charger. You're texting someone 4,000 times, you're not leaving without that phone charger. No. So family is like she 
you know, would have taken these items if she ran away and she never picked up her paycheck from work. That's another thing where it's like, if you're going to run away, you think you would have picked up your paycheck. You need money. You would need, yeah. You would need some money. Yeah. Um, so, so no sightings of her just poof gone. Yep. Uh, So they obviously organized searches, sent out flyers, they, you know, dog searches, ATVs, nothing has ever, like, come of it. And to this day, like, they have no, no idea what happened to her. Um, they do, they do know that she went to school that day and she did get off the school bus with all intents and purposes to go to the burger barn, but... I guess at some point after she got off the school bus, she just disappeared. The family has hired, you know, private investigators to look for her and nothing has come of it. There've been a couple possible sightings, um, and leads, you know, not real leads, but possible leads and sightings of her in, you know, compromised situations, brothels, things like that, but nothing, nothing hard, concrete um no real proof that it it is her so they do believe that Allie could still be alive and that you know she's either being forced into the sex trade or is being held captive somewhere um yeah so that's that's Allie's story now, the last story we have is one that is more recent, and it is a girl named Kristen Galvin, and she went missing from Spring, Texas on January 2nd, 2020. Now, before she went missing about, I think it was about a week and a half or so before she went missing, it might have been longer than that, um... I think I have it in my notes, but I don't see it right here. But she actually had run away. And she was with her boyfriend. And the Houston Police Department found her in a known prostitution area. And she was being prostituted out. And the police called her family and got her home. And wow. they took her phone, they, you know, they did what they felt like they needed to do, and um, she was found in the Bassinet Street area of Houston, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, about a week and a half after she ran away. That's what it was. Um, and I want to say she had run away, it was, it was a couple, it wasn't too far previous before she went missing the second time so I think it was in like November December of 2019 she ran away was gone about a week and a half um, was her boyfriend correct okay. and the police the Houston police found her in a known prostitution area they take her home her family you know they take her phone they ground her and I think it was just a matter of days after they gave her her phone back that uh, she went missing again. 
and she has not been seen or heard from since. And that was on January 2nd, 2020. Now they do know that the first time that she ran away and was with her boyfriend, she was in a sex trafficked situation uh, during that first period. Mm -hmm. And her parents have said that it, you know, definitely like messed with her, you know, like, yeah, it's hard to come back from that. But apparently when you're, and it's when you're in these situations and you have a relationship with a trafficker or, you know, you're vulnerable and you, you think that they're the only people that understand you or they're, you know, they get you and they're, they're not to help you. And right. And so she was lured out of her house. Um, according to the reports I read, she was lured out of her grandmother's house, uh, by a quote unquote new friend. And, has not been seen or heard new from. New friend or old boyfriend? Right. I'm not <laughs> sure. That's just what we're told. Yeah, right. Uh, so investigators believe that Kristen could still be in Texas. Um, they do believe that she has been trafficked a second time. And witnesses have reported seeing a photo of her on websites that are known for prostitution. Mm. Yeah. And they believe that she could have ties to the Atlanta, Georgia area. And um, there was a prostitution ad for her, which was apparently in the Atlanta area in March of 2021. And she's from Spring, Texas. Correct. And that's where she lived? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's where she went missing from. So uh, apparently investigators went to her mother's house and they had a picture and they asked, could this be your daughter? And the mom was like, of course, this is my daughter. Like, she stated that she knew right away, um, which I think this photo is the one from the prostitution site or the, you know, it's an ad, basically. Like, mm-hmm. in the Amy Amy Bradley case. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she's like on a back page type site and they found this picture of her. They asked the mom, the mom's like, yeah, that's my daughter. And now they've also hired private investigators and they've gone door to door in Atlanta and Houston tracking down all these leads that they've gotten, but nothing has surfaced. And unfortunately they were doing all of this in the middle of the pandemic. She went missing in January of 2020. So does everyone remember where they were in March of 2020 and her family is trying to track down these leads and they're trying to do it in the middle of a pandemic. Like maybe that's why they haven't, this is gonna be a horrible thought, but that's why they haven't been able to take her out of the country yet. Maybe. And that's why she keeps backing, bouncing back and forth between Atlanta and Texas. Maybe. I think that they probably at this point, though, have moved her out of the state. They're going to move them. They're not going to keep these kids in the that's same. True. I wonder how, like, mass vaccinations so that they can, well, that's stupid. They're just going to move them underground anyways. You've lost me. What about vaccinations? Like like COVID vaccines to like put them on planes and stuff. Oh. But they don't need to do that because they have billions of billions of dollars. So that's the argument. Like I am all for like American Airlines and Southwest and all these airlines doing, you know, preventative measures to 
spot human trafficking, but Jeffrey Epstein had his own plane. Like yeah. if you're traveling Never with these mind. people, they're on like a whole nother <laughs> level if you're traveling and they're, they're traveling private. They're not. Yeah, sure. Yes. There are cases where they are getting on American airlines or, you know, Southwest or whoever. But I think when you're jumping on a plane, you're, you're on a whole nother realm of money. Like you're flying private. You're going in yeah. and out of private private airlines, private airports, I should say. Uh, so yeah, her, Kristen's case, she's, you know, just like Michelle and Allie, like they, she is still missing and she is for sure trafficked. We know that to be a fact. Allie's case, there are theories that she might've been, there've been some potential sightings, but we know for a fact, Kristen was, trafficked previously and that she was you know she had it was a very traumatic experience but then weeks later went right back into the situation um when she got her phone back so Mm -hmm. um that's pretty much her case um I mean there have been a lot of false alarms that the mom has dealt with in Kristen's case. Um, I can't even imagine. No, I can't. I just can't even imagine, too, just thinking about these girls came from the same city, right? And what if they've seen each other or are with each other? And, like, they all know that, well, they might not even know that each other were missing, but they're like, yeah, this is where I'm from, and... That's just crazy for me to think about, like, how much connection that there could be, like, when they find these girls. Right. And we know that one is, uh, she was, Allie was 16, right? So mm-hmm. she's, she was the oldest? Or Chris, Christine was? Kristen. Kristen. Um, I think they were, yeah, Allie was oldest, she was 16, Kristen was 15, and Michelle was 12. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, in Kristen's case, um, police would tell her mom, huh? You know, to submit DNA and yeah. all of that, which that's, you know, not uncommon. Um, sorry, I was reading in my notes and I'm like, wait, what? But yeah, so, uh, And there was a report that someone claimed that Kristen had had a baby and that the baby was disposed of in a porta potty, but Mm. DNA proved that it wasn't, it wasn't a match. So, um, yeah. So her mom is still looking, all of these moms are still looking for their daughters and they're all missing from spring, Texas. Which I find to just be crazy. Yeah. I mean, that, that must be a very, that must, that must be a hotbed. Well, even this police chief was saying the same thing too, where he was like, oh yeah, the month after Michelle went missing, there was a handful of attempted, attempted abductions. abductions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And honestly, when I was researching, Allie's case 
or excuse me, when I was researching, was it this case? I think it was when I was researching Kristen's case, Allie's case popped up as like a recommended read or whatever. And I'm like, why do I know that case? Like I remembered Allie's case from disappeared but then I was like, wait a minute, she's also from Spring? And then, I, you know, it was Michelle's case. I, you know, was like, well, I feel like there's another case that I've just recently read that was also out of Spring, which kind of like started this whole, granted, you know, one went missing in 1997, one went missing in 2010, and one went missing in 2020. But that doesn't account for all the other girls that have, might right. have gone missing in spring, Texas. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane to me, but it's not because Houston, it, it, while it's insane on one hand, it's not on the other because Houston is such a hotbed for human trafficking that you kind of just have to sit back and wonder, which is what I said in the beginning of this case. Like, it makes me kind of wonder do I think that the same perpetrator kidnapped and took all three of these girls? Probably not. No. But do I think they could be connected in the sense of they could have all been trafficked? Absolutely. Yes. Like, especially the last two. Could they be working in the same ring? Yes. Right. Like, absolutely feel like Allie and Kristen could very well have been taken from the same ring. Michelle, I mean, we're talking 1997, and there is the whole you know, boyfriend mm -hmm. and there's a lot that I have question wise with that case that unfortunately I just, you know, investigators have been keeping things close to the vest, which that's another thing that's so frustrating is, okay, it's 1997 that she went missing. Dude, it's 2022. Like what can you give us that maybe you wanted to keep close to the vest right. then that you can now divulge now that's yes. not going to hinder the investigation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What, what, what's reveal some information regarding these attempted abductions at the school bus stop? Because we right. know that Michelle was on her way to the school bus or was supposed to be going to the school bus, whether or not Mark intervened and came home. Like we don't know. And yeah, sure. He failed to polygraph, but you can't use that in a court of law. Like that mm -hmm. doesn't prove or disprove his innocence or guilt. So let's, try to get some fresh eyes on this and don't just totally knock out. Like just because you knocked out and didn't believe that the potential abductions could have been connected in 97, like maybe, maybe, maybe now you now. look at it with a different fresh set of eyes, knowing that you have two other girls, one of yeah. them also leaving a school bus stop. Like, right. I mean, I understand like there's a big time gap, but who's to say that 1997 to 2010, this, this potential predator wasn't in jail and got out and now he's striking again. Mm -hmm. Or if they are a new group, right. And maybe Michelle's case, if, if any of them aren't connected, I think it's hers. Like, I don't think her, like if, if I'm going to be honest, like I could see of the three, hers would be the one that would be the odd odd one out I think for sure though Allie and Kristen well we know for sure Kristen was trafficked but I think Allie absolutely could have been who was she texting for exactly possibly up to 4,000 texts a month yeah, anywhere between a, a thousand and who yeah who was that who was she talking to mm -hmm. you know so any thoughts no
That's just a lot. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to think that these three girls all went missing out of the same. And there's, there's a bunch of people that have gone missing out of spring. These are just the three and that. It's so close to home. It's, it's a little close to home. <laughs> well, unfortunately, our state is, you know, know in I the know. top for human trafficking every year. And if you didn't know, now you know. America mm -hmm. is the number one consumer of child exploitation videos and material, which that's horrible. Like, America doesn't want to be known as that. Like, that's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Literally telling someone that today. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. America is the number one consumer yeah. of child exploitation content. Hey, did you know? <laughs> this, is a, this is a good fact for you to know. Yeah. Not a great one, but it's it's, it's not one something I want America to be number one at. Like <laughs> back of your pocket. Yeah. It's horrible. Think about that. <laughs> Ugh. Well, anyone with information in any of these cases is asked to call one eight hundred the lost, or you can contact the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office at nine three six seven six zero five eight zero zero. All right, guys, before we go, we're gonna do our weekly spotlight. First, we have Isabella Perez. She has been missing since March 7th, 2022 from Onderico, Oklahoma. She is 12 years old, 5'4", 120 pounds, black hair, and dark brown eyes. She wears glasses, and anyone with information is asked to call the APD at 405-247-2411. Next, we have Tyradine Jackson Yearby. He's been missing since February 28th, 2022 from Stillwater, Oklahoma. He is 5'8", 150 pounds, brown eyes, and black hair. Anyone with information is asked to call the Stillwater Police Department at 405-372-4171. And last, we have Patrick Frank. He has been missing since January 13th, 2022. He's 13 years old, 5'8", 150 pounds, black hair, and brown eyes. He is Cheyenne and Arapaho. Anyone with information is asked to call the Stillwater Police Department at 405-372-4171. If you have a case from your country or know of a human trafficking case that you think we should cover, please send that to us at info at lastword.com. We know this isn't a crime that only takes place in a certain area or to certain people, and our goal is to expose this crime to bring awareness to the missing and aid and help aid in prevention. It will take all of us fighting and speaking out to help end this crime. I want to thank you all again for listening and supporting Last Word in Human Trafficking True Crime. I promise I will continue to be loud in the crimes of exploitation, bold in my actions against it, and out there with my awareness through fashion. My hope is that you will as well be loud in your convictions, bold in your actions, and out there making a change. Stay vigilant, be aware, and remember, what the world needs now is love, not hate.